Welcome to Faith, Reason, and Geekdom. I'm Roger. And I'm Dusty. My brothers and sisters in Christ, join us every Thursday as we work out these three perspectives in our everyday lives. Dusty, we got yes, a very, very special bearded, I have to add that in there, bearded guest today. Yeah. He is Mike Gomer Gormley. <laughs> Michael, I mean, you've seen him on your TV. You've you've heard him through the podcast. You've heard him in your ears. He's been in your ears, on your eyes. He's been everywhere. You're actually in one of the speakers and That Man Is You. Which is where I know him from, for sure. Yes. Nice. You're the one of our favorite programs. <laughs> yes. We're going to get into that. My uh, One of the co-hosts of Catching Foxes, also one of the co-hosts of Ascension Press, Every Knee Shall Bow, a prolific speaker in the Catholic world. I mean, is there any more, is there, is there any more accolades that you have? Michael Gomer, thank you for coming hey. on the show. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I always love a, a, a rousing introduction, right? <laughs> Come on, yeah, man. Well, That's well, awesome. We, we know that he doesn't have any time to sleep because he's so busy doing all those things. And now he's uh, he's about to get into learning some more or, or shoring up some apologetic stuff. He told us he's like got the coffee out. It's late at night. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. But um, so first of all, <laughs> let's get back into a little bit of history, because this is what had me curious. Okay. How does a guy like you start? this journey like where did where did you begin yeah so uh it's kind of funny um my parents were super involved in the, our local parish in broken air oklahoma it was a polish capuchin franciscan parish um the polish priests that were there the ones that were born in poland they were um held in a nazi concentration camp wow um when hitler rolled into into poland uh not a lot of people realized that one of the things about concentration camps is the first people they arrested are political prisoners that could be sign points of unity among the Polish people because you're trying to demoralize a population. And priests, if you go to Auschwitz or Dachau, they have these signs. Auschwitz one, which is the first one, uh, used to be a Polish military barracks. And on the sign, it says they arrested, you know, like political leaders, priests, and, you know, like whatever. And I remember seeing that and being like, yeah, I mean, they had the tattoos on their arm, all that stuff. So um, Catholicism in Broken Arrow was, Broken Arrow, Oklahoma was a um, uh, an under siege thing. I used to drive by like a whole bunch of non-denom churches and they'd have signs that would say like, you know, Catholicism is a cult of seven week sermon series oh. as I'm going to mass, you know, Gosh. and all at the Main Street Baptist Church, all of like, almost all the prof or teachers at my elementary school went there and uh wow so you're like oh this is gonna be fun, fun. times <laughs> good times yeah good old principal principal streeter goes there and so <laughs> um me and my brother were the only catholics in the whole school until fifth grade but i don't count that guy because he was weird but uh <laughs> we uh <laughs> we really was um but yeah so i grew up in like the siege mentality of catholicism where it was it was very much us versus them in fundamentalist oklahoma a lot of the end times people who were like just waiting to you know the horror babylon you know use that language on you and then um for myself we ended up moving down to houston my parents live about 20 minutes from where i'm H -town. at town h town uh yeah uh crunk town there you go as it is known around my <laughs> man condo. hold up i didn't came through i'm from san born and raised san antonio so i know nice. all about <laughs> nice nice see the funny thing is there's all this sports culture that my brother chris is all about and i'm like the what <laughs> like literally today <laughs> the like, wood grain all that my brother, paint dripping it's so funny it is so funny because my brother <laughs> sent a text message that just said unbelievable and then i i was like what and then my dad responded incredible and i was like what <laughs> what's going on said, how are you not watching the astros game right now they just had a walk-in home run or whatever and i'm like yeah no and then i took a picture of uh this uh good old apologetics book from uh <laughs> dave armstrong yeah. he's like right we're all watching sports ball and uh you're you're reading the church fathers like, yeah i know <laughs> come on no so really the the big thing i got super involved in my parish that i now work at um it was in a, it was a life team program and that's where i started doing things like adoration and 
going on retreats and all that stuff. And it was just being built as a new church, St. Anthony Padua in the Woodlands, just being built. So it had that like young energy, you know, a lot of young families there, a lot of kids in high school. That doesn't sound does. Catholic. That's yeah. fine. <laughs> were you a teenager yourself? Yeah. or were Yeah, yeah, yeah. Little... yeah. Oh, okay, I was it. 16 when I moved down. Um, I, it just became my life. I was homeschooled. I started homeschooling myself. I went to Bishop Kelly Catholic <laughs> High School in Tulsa, went to a ZZ Top concert in Oklahoma City, drove back with my friend's parents, woke my mom up at 2 a.m. to tell her that we had gotten home. And then I said, oh, and I want to homeschool. And my mom like kind of woke up and was like, but what about prom? That was like her <laughs> only comment. And I was like, nah, prom will be fine. Kind of make my story a little bit shorter. My parents started listening to this crazy Presbyterian convert to Catholicism named Scott Hahn. Oh, and mm, my dad lived for a time in West Covina, California, or out near there. So I, he would come home. Um, my dad, the oil industry had a job that shipped out there. We stayed in Oklahoma. Very Texas. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, and then the job got switched to Houston and he works for Shell or worked for Shell. But um, my life was surrounded by like Scott Hahn, Tim Staples, Patrick mm. Madrid, oh. um, all of the, all of the kind of the big wigs of the Catholic apologetics movement, Carl yeah. Keating. And I drank it all in. And so then I went to Franciscan. I was a theology philosophy major. Thought I was going to be a priest. Met my wife. She was wearing yoga pants. Long story short, I'm married. Whoopsie. Kids. <laughs> no more priesthood. Yeah. yeah. So uh, it was funny. She actually, she wasn't wearing yoga pants, but she was <laughs> she was leading stretches for the RA staff, resident assistants, and I was an RA. And it was before the freshmen arriving. You know, we're doing all of our trainings. And we were doing like this fun day outside, team bonding, you know, low ropes and all that stuff. And uh, I just remember being like, who is this woman? She is gorgeous. And now I'm married. So <laughs> pretty awesome. awesome. So yeah, so I just really, um, I, I, I just began doing the life team thing. I was a life team youth minister. Then they had me write all the proclaims for their summer camps. I did that for about seven years. I would do the host of the summer camps. And then I started traveling with talking because I would give a talk and be like 10 youth groups. And then I go and do their middle school and high school retreats. And then it just kind of snowballed. Now I'm doing some little youth conferences. And then this year, this year, y'all, I'm announcing it here first. Oh, yes, exclusive. Exclusive, unless I accidentally mentioned it beforehand when I wasn't supposed <laughs> yeah. to. But Scott Hahn uh, personally invited me to be a speaker on their uh, Defending the Faith conference at Steubenville, wow. which is like the adult conference, right? So now yeah. you're like leveling up. So, <laughs> you're leveling yeah. up. Yeah, so it's kind of funny. I'm like that is awesome. reading the books of the guys who will be on the stage, you know, and I'm like, hi. <laughs> <laughs> that I'm is so here. awesome. Yeah, yeah. Scott of, of all those Solo, of all those youth uh, group, um, is there one that stands out? Like, is there an interesting story or something oh, yeah. that you remember? Yeah, the, there's the one in particular. Okay. Um, I was about to go to Franciscan. It was my senior year. My girlfriend dumped me. She was also going to Franciscan, so that's fun. <laughs> and on the retreat, in the middle of a retreat, she dumps me. Oh. And uh, so that was cool. It was good for my self-esteem as the fact. Yeah, right. And uh, so what I began to do, so there was another church from Texas that was in this Colorado retreat. And the the church from Texas, from Dallas, and they're all a bunch of rednecks. And it was really <laughs> funny. I mean, it was like straight redneck. But their youth minister was super keyed into scripture. And he kept talking about the Song of Songs to mm. a bunch of redneck boys and i'm like what the heck is he doing and they had like these crazy stories surrounding like they would read it you know it's only eight chapters but they would read it every single day when they were on this retreat and i'm like what in the what <laughs> and like one day they started bawling their eyes out and i'm like what is going on and there's this girl who was going through a really tumultuous teenager time and uh the this guy came up and gave her a hug and it was funny because there's this line in Song of Songs which says, his left arm embraces me, his right arm is under, his right hand is under my head. And it's just this like throwaway line. But that's how this guy hugged this girl. In, and the, these wow. guys who weren't a part, like, tr like they were just like, oh my gosh, that's how they do it, the Song of Songs. I'm like, they're just <laughs> hugging a guy. Right? Like, yeah. They're just wow. hugging someone. But it, it's like, a sign. It, yeah. <laughs> but for them, it was like the Bible came alive. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I wanted that. I wanted that. I, like I had been studying Scott Hahn's apologetics, uh, Mark um, Hartfield. I met him who does the That Man Is You stuff, helps run yeah. the NBC's Day and all that stuff. He was on this retreat with me and we struck up a friendship because, uh, you know, we were talking about Scott Hahn and nerding out about that stuff. Yeah. And the crazy thing was, I said, I go into adoration. It's in a dirty gym. It's on the Eucharist place on a podium, you know, not even like a nothing fancy. Right. 
And I just, I kneeled down in my pleated khakis and my folded hands at a 45 degree angle. I said, you know what? I'm going to give up the external fake posturing and I'm going to read Song of Songs and I'm not going to move until you move me. And it wasn't a dare. Like, it sounds like a dare right now. Like, come on, I Jesus. Dare I dare you to do some. <laughs> dare you to move. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. I like this one. <laughs> but uh, so what ended up happening was he showed up. I, I read um, all eight chapters. It was probably like a four hour long adoration because other things were happening. Like they were doing confessions and prayer teams and other things. And I didn't do any of that. I just sat in adoration and I looked up at the, at the Lord and I read scripture and I read song of songs probably 20 times, all eight chapters, 20 times. And something about chapter two verses eight through 17 stood out to me. Um, Hark my lover. Here he comes springing over the mountains, leaping over the hills. My lover is like a gazelle or a young stag. And as I'm reading this, it's funny to me because the archaic language, right? Like our couch is verdant. You're like, what the heck does that mean, right? But Indo-Indo or something. What is that? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Hey, girl, my couch is burning. <laughs> and uh, it's it, 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 was, it was what the Benedictine monks say Letio Divina is supposed to be. Words mm. jump out at you. And yes. all of a sudden, I have, and I hold to this to this day, I don't care what anyone else says, I had a charismatic experience of infused knowledge. Mm. And that moment was... Every single thing that I was reading, it was as if Jesus was reading it to me and saying like, no, you don't understand. This is about you and me. Mm. And so um, I was struggling with, uh, uh, like many young men, got caught up in the AOL dial-up porn uh, terror. Um, you know, just What? All never. That. Never. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Well, none, yeah. of, none of us. Um, no one in Catholic <laughs> Not good Catholic boys. Yeah. 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 It's like we're all the walking wounded and no one could talk about it right yeah so now yeah. all we do is talk about it but uh <laughs> matt frad <laughs> that's his fault yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh so i just remember sitting there and you know line after line uh uh what what is the phrase um he leaps over the mountains he bounds yeah. over the hills uh and then he says um he gazes through the windows he peers through the lattice my lover speaks he says to me and just the the image that i was given at that moment was all my mortal sin and venial sin it was like mordor mordor wasn't around oh, at that yeah. time but yeah it was just yeah, yeah. These chain of mountains that surrounded me a chain of venial sin hills that surrounded me and i had this image of me being in a deep dark pit and there's just a little house it's solid walls and i just have one little window in which to let the light in and that's all christ needed and i think wow. i've I built these things to keep him out and he just jumps over him. Like the silliness yeah. of my lover is like a gazelle or a young stag. I don't know what that means. He's graceful. I think yeah. he's a footnote in the NAB says, but there it was. And I had this image of Christ just being like, yeah, you think your mortals, your mountains can stop me. I just yeah. jump over them. Yeah. And now I'm looking into your soul. And then the words is he's uh, my lover speaks. He says to me, arise, my beloved, my beautiful one and come away. And I just remember just, I was sobbing unemotionally like that ugly cry yeah it was it was this deep sense of repentance like i can't mm. believe you love me you yeah. think i'm beautiful uh even though i know i'm a wretched mortal sinner and yeah it, and it just that over and over and um yeah and i left and i remember riding on the bus ride home from denver colorado to houston texas and i had the bible open and i was my ex-girlfriend was sitting in the seat in front of me and I was just going through verse after verse after verse. And I was like, this changed my life. Yeah. And I remember at the end, I go, what do you think of it? And because she was dead silent. She goes, why did something like that get to happen to you? She was oh. so pissed off at me. And I was like, well, maybe if you hadn't broken up with me. <laughs> right, there you go. Oh, my goodness. That's so great. That, that's an emotional story. He's like, yeah, the deep, deep, dark pit. You know, when, when yeah. I get in trouble, my wife, she banishes me to the deep, dark pit. Some people get the couch. No, not me. No, no, not me. But no, that's so great. I love that. Like my lover tells me like a gazelle. And isn't in, in that same, the Psalms, the catching foxes line is in there. And that's yeah. where you came up with yeah, right? Yeah. Catches Catch foxes. for us the foxes, the little foxes that yes. damage our vineyard for our vineyard is in blue. Yeah. And so you and Luke. Yeah. Me and Luke were big. Luke introduced me to a band called Me Without You and the, their second I've album. I've heard of it. Many times by Luke. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Many thousands. But many, the, many the second album was called Catch for Us the Foxes. And I was like, why don't we call it Catching Foxes? It's like, boom, done. It's just artistic enough to make people go, what the hell does that mean? But it still has a meaning. It's biblical enough. So all the Catholics would be like, yeah. It passes the litmus test. Yeah. One of the things that, that helped me get into the my faith was actually revert. I'm a revert. Uh, nice. Was actually that 
was actually yeah. we're gonna get into that the movies and tv like how do you because when i first reverted i came from the world you know i'm 35 now i'm 35 born in 87 so i grew up in that pop culture era yeah and when i reverted at 20 29 30 years old i was so worldly that some and this is not bad i keep saying this this is not a bad thing but i would revert and hang out with people but like i felt like they couldn't relate. Like I was like, "Hey, so so this that," and they're just looking at me like I was like, "Oh man, I'm I'm too worldly for the Catholics, and I'm too Catholic mm -hmm. for the world." And mm -hmm. I was like, "Uh, how do I act? Like, do I have to like? Because sometimes like I could get a raunchy sense of humor. Some some would say some would say that. Uh, no, so no, yeah, no. I've been I've been on very good behavior, but anyway, um, and I heard catching foxes. And I'm, I'm talking about this was like even uh, back in when you and Matt Frad were going back and forth about watching Game of Thrones, oh, the yeah. first one, not not Hot oh, D, yeah. which we'll yeah. talk about later, yeah. House of the Dragons, uh -huh. not that, but like y'all were going back and forth about that. And then, of course, the the old, what is it, old people sex, the summer <laughs> scandal. The one, like, the <laughs> one episode, Bishop Barron yeah. name drops catching foxes. Oh, my goodness. It was, the episode was entitled Old People Sex yeah, yeah. and something else. <laughs> and that had, dot, dot, dot. just him mentioning it, we had like 40,000 downloads wow. that month. Wow. Which is like, you know, so much more than we ever get. And I just remember Luke, me and Luke are like, we are such idiots. We are such idiots. <laughs> yeah. And we only had one. There are so many thousands of people who are never second time yes. listeners of Kitchen Box. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's not for everyone. Yeah. But that helped me get in because I was like, wait, they talk like me. I was okay. like, wait a minute. They, yeah. they sound like me. They like the same Marvel and DC like me. Wait, they're and they're into Audible, which and and I I feel a, a kindred spirit with you also because um I also am obsessive about stuff. Like yeah. I get real like when you get in your woodworking and all that, like mm -hmm. when you, the cleaning and, and like I get obsessive about stuff too. Like nice. for a while, I wanted to be interior designer, and I was like, let's go to IKEA. I drag my family to IKEA, and we're walking. <laughs> they're sweating. They're like, how long? I was like, look at this map. See, we're here. And our car is way over here. <laughs> just a few more miles, kids. Just yeah. a few more miles to go. And I we'll you get some drank Swedish water. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> you should have hydrated. That's why you're getting cramps or walking. But yeah, so I get obsessive <laughs> like that. And I love that. And also, um, Dusty, like me and Dusty are huge fans of also That Man Is You. I want to go into navigating the, the world of television yeah. and content. Because, man, it's getting harder and harder yes. to find stuff that I can yeah. sit and watch with the family. Um, oh. Or even just, you know, I've gone to reconciliation this week and I don't want to pollute yeah. my mind. So yeah. how how do you navigate that, Michael? <sighs> what are yeah. the yeah guardrails or boundaries? Yeah, you know, it's so important. So the it's funny that you mentioned the, the Game of Thrones. Mm -hmm. Like Game of Thrones, the first, you know, five, six seasons were one of the most incredible and awful shows ever made. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. And the, it, it, like, this is really how the devil wins is like, honestly, the books and the show, like it is incredible storytelling. Yeah. It is gripping. It is all those things. And then it's like a 13 year old boy decided, well, you know what this needs boobies, right? Yeah. Right. Over <laughs> right. and over again. I mean, Saturday Night Live did a whole skit on it where Andy Samberg was a 13 year old boy being like, mm, more boobies, right? <laughs> yeah. And it became this thing that was, it was, number one, it was super polarizing and I get it. Yeah. And so I went to Matt Frad, he had a porn show, an anti-porn yeah. show, let me rephrase it. Uh, he had an anti-porn show <laughs> and um, he had talked And yeah, and this is when Taylor Marshall was still, I, I don't know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Still like cooperating with the Catholic Church or something, <laughs> and uh, he had made this comment where he's like, uh, "People keep asking me if I watch the latest episode of Game of Thrones." He's like, "No, I don't look at porn," and I got really pissed off at that. I got pissed off at that, and I and everyone thought I was defending the pornographic element. I was like, "Yeah, I'll call the scenes that are pornographic yeah. pornographic. That doesn't make a whole thing porn." And yeah. that was my argument because, it, and it was driving me nuts because it was people who were just taking this thing and wrapping a label on it and dismissing it. Yeah. Uh, now, that being said, in that show, I tried to give 10,000 caveats. And the 10,000 caveats were, I don't watch it alone. I watch it with my yeah. wife. I'm ready to fast forward. And then people, whoa, if you got to be ready to fast on, yeah. forward. And I'm like, yeah, I understand that this it's crap. But yeah. 
you know, I don't care. I don't care. I literally started reading the books because there was uh, the famous sex position scheme, uh, scene where they give you exposition. There's dialogue that's occurring during a sex scene. Mm -hmm. And I was so furious. So I, you know, turned the thing off, bought the book, read the book, and I'm like, it's not even in there. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> ah, HBO! Right. And so, crazy. long story short, my navigating principles have, have, really changed um i think if i were talking to gomer from five years ago um i would have a lot more uh disagreement with myself um mm -hmm. this is what i've discovered so i've watched a couple episodes of hot d i have a friend <laughs> uh, house of the dragon um yes. for clarification for clarification yeah. <laughs> yeah i have a friend who watches it the night before yeah and he tells me you know if there's anything inappropriate or whatever and so i'll i'll watch it been kind of kind of tame it is kind of yeah i'm surprised tame. i'm like whoa wow the yeah. last three episodes no sex scenes wow I'm like know. i've been impressed i've been that 13 year old boy got COVID, and so he didn't get to write all the scenes in there oh yeah there yeah. you go like, but uh <laughs> but um after the end of the first episode i said oh this is this is disturbing and i will say this uh my christian maturity the way that my heart has been molded and mind has been molded over the last few years maybe the last year since um i don't know whatever we we suffered a lot as a family last year but um i don't have a place in my life for stupid crap that robs me of my joy in the lord mm. and mm. that sounds like such christianese i hate christianese i hate it when people start talking like where blessings be upon everyone you're like okay okay <laughs> but um i honestly like i got done with that first show and i said shana i don't think we're gonna watch this because mm. it's it's messed up right it's just mess it's not even there wasn't i don't think there was any nudity or anything like that there was an act of violence where this guy like just kills this dude because he got owned in the jousting tournament. oh yeah yeah, yeah. And i always fast forward that stuff too i look away i don't care my wife smirks at me she's like uh, well, I can't say the word, but she's like, she looks at me because I honestly, that might sound crazy. Even the violent scenes, I for years, I just look away. I just don't like to see that. So I literally look off camera. So, you know, yeah. I don't people, you, I, at first I was embarrassed. I was like, why fast forward? And I mute fast forward and I look mm -hmm. away or look off screen. Yeah. Oh, they'll make fun of me. But I'm like, no, you know, I, I just don't want to see that gore. And it's crazy because me and Dusty talked about this. I love horror movies, but again, mm -hmm. If it's gratuitous, like Hellraiser, yeah. I just look off screen. And Dusty hates when I say this, but he's a real humble guy. But I always bring this up for credibility because I'm mm -hmm. like, uh, he's from California. So, or not from, but like lived there for years. So everyone's a movie director and producer. He yeah. bumps into Starbucks. But in Texas, we're... We, we're like we're little old country texas we don't so uh two-time emmy nominated producer he's done many movies all this stuff screenwriting so many accolades and, and again he gets in bear he's a very humble guy but he's in the movies so dusty is like how are the parameters too with movie and, and talk about some yeah. recent movies dusty that you have seen that way we could kind of judge you and chime in i'm just playing no not not that <laughs> well but. i just watched um nope yeah uh, oh yeah nope, nope. Which, i haven't seen it. which nope. i was quite disappointed with uh, honestly uh, uh, i thought jordan peele kind of mailed it in for at least half mm. the script um Ooh, yeah and and overall i gave it like a five on a scale from Ooh. one to ten it was very flat for me but you know a lot of people went to go see it so so who cares um but i we we talked about <laughs> yeah. this on the podcast one of the ones that we really enjoyed and that we kind of tied in the the fact that the souls were coming from purgatory was the yeah. black phone yeah, which, I like that. Which which was uh, a really Handsome really good Hawk. movie. Ethan Hawke, yeah. Ethan Hawke, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. So those are a couple of the ones that I've watched. And then we watched. I watched Elvis. You and I mm. watched Elvis together, which we thought was a, a real great, almost yeah, biblical, like you know, selling your soul to the devil story. Yep. Um. So so those are some of the ones that I've been watching lately. I'm I'm also watching one now that's called Outer. It's a TV series. Range. Outer Range. Outer Range. Yeah. yeah. Amazon. That's I'm I'm two episodes into it and it's actually quite interesting, quite well 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 written. So uh, it, it takes a lot to get my attention, and um, so those are the types of movies that I'm watching. I'm not into horror as much as you are, Roger. 
but uh, I know that you um, you want to watch Hellraiser, right? Yeah, I want to watch that again. I know it's horrible, but I, I want to see the new one. Uh, Dusty, you teased me earlier, like you sent me an email. You're like, "Yeah, there's a there's a new premiere of James Wan's horror movie." And I was like, "Great, when are we going?" Oh, it's in L.A. Why are you showing me a sneak early preview? <laughs> it was a, yeah, it was a screening for people in the industry. That's I was like, right. "Oh, come right. on!" I was like, "I thought I was gonna get to watch this movie before everybody and make fun nice. of them." You know what's yeah. good movie? Top Gun top gun now wasn't kind to my self-esteem after i had to like do intermittent fasting high intensity interval training but top gun (laughs) maverick that's a good movie oh my god you guys have y'all seen that got some good reviews for sure a lot of people really liked it and uh, a lot of the cameos and stuff too oh what am i watching okay so i will say the thing that i hot d and uh uh, (laughs) rings of power started at the same yeah so very different shows very different shows uh still fantasy still you know well one is good versus evil the other one is everyone's evil um (laughs) so i uh i'm not enjoying uh, the visuals are incredible i like the show i don't love it um yesterday i stood up with i was talking with my wife and i stood up and i said you know the only show that i'm watching is is rings of power and it's kind of funny because you know me and my wife we always like gravitate like we'll pick a show and we'll watch a season over x amount of weeks or whatever you know through one of our streaming services i'm a big movie buff like we we generally me and my wife love action movies yeah um i'm not a big horror movie person um right now we're watching a lot of movies with our kids in terms of uh fostering reading so my oldest just read the hunger games Mm. So we would, she would finish a book. We'd watch the movie, finish the book, watch the movie. Tonight, my son, uh, he is eight. He just finished uh, Goblet of Fire, Goblet of Fire, Harry Potter, Goblet. And uh, we we watch like an hour at night, you know. And so he, it's a treat, right? So they conquer the book. You know, they read their 700 pages. And then they get to stay up late with mommy and daddy, eat popcorn and watch, watch a movie. So um, that's been what I've been doing lately because I'm going to tell you, my the hardest thing for me watching movies today is is just the message the message of like it's just being like it's not good writing when it's good writing and it has the message like included in it i'm fine with it you know like whatever if it's a good movie but like flat like female characters right now are just the worst they're just the worst. So Mary many female Sue's. characters are Mary Sue's. They're perfect yeah. in every way, shape, and form. And it's only men that are ruining them. They're all the bad society. guys. Yeah. Well, that was Hocus Pocus too. I was going to say is like my oh, wife, right. begrudgingly, like sometimes I'm a masochist. Like I like to like, I know this is going to make me mad, but I want to watch it. And my wife is like, oh, Hocus Pocus too. And I watched it right five minutes in right off the, I was texting our group. We called it the God Squad. So it's me, Dusty, and a bunch of other guys, <laughs> the God Squad. And we, I was texting them, like complaining the whole time. I was like, yep. two minutes in, religion, bad, man, bad. Just like, which yeah. is good, good, sympathetic. And I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. What is going on? So, it's the exact uh, opposite my, of the original Hocus exactly. Pocus. The witches like, were the witches, bad people. Yeah, they're, they're misunderstood. They're misunderstood. Yeah. But so, Michael, I, I'm sure you're not watching bros then, right? You didn't go dinner in a movie, you know, I didn't. watch bros, go to Applebee's, a little party. I'm, yeah. I'm guessing none of us watch no. bros then. I don't know if y'all know that comedy. Yeah. It, just, it tanked hard it did. yeah and the thing that kills me is the message like you were saying yeah is when people don't like it or go see it or it doesn't get favorable reviews yeah the the thing is always the same and this is what kills me is clearly it's a bad movie yeah. clearly you know it's a bad movie but it's doing a first uh this is the first time a black female uh you Left-handed. know uh, yeah is is doing this thing and like I'm not here to undersell achievements from people that have been kept out of industry, right? Yeah. Like, it's awesome to see these things and to do this, but that's not what it takes to make a movie. So yeah. when I watch Ghostbusters, the the twenty what was it twenty sixteen? Oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And and the way the movie was set up was predominantly ad libbing because these are funny women who are going to riff off each other. And I'm watching the movie, and I didn't. I I maybe chuckled once. And the whole mm-hmm. thing, and then I'm like, how does it fit in with the Ghostbusters? Right. With the original two. Oh, it doesn't. It doesn't at all. It doesn't fit in. It doesn't make sense. None of it is connected. We're rebooting a franchise with this terror, like a franchise that, this is the thing that kills me. It's beloved. 
So they yeah. leverage your nostalgia to shove down your throat the message. And I've been wondering about this. Like, why are people allowing just terrible movies or terrible characters in movies? Dusty, why are they? Why are they? <laughs> Dusty, why are you? Why don't you make things better? <laughs> terrible character. Why are they allowing terrible characters in movies? Yeah, just because they carry the message. Like, yeah, clearly they have to screen their own movies and be like, well, we need to go back and do some reshoots. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of testing. There's a lot of testing that goes on, test screenings and so on and so forth. But, you know, I think a lot of it comes down to the, the, the number one, the marketing of if it's a franchise like Ghostbusters, you're going to sell a lot of toys. You're going to sell yeah. a lot of um, happy you know, meals. Uh, yeah, it's a happy meals, et cetera. So, so like they just kind of throw that out the window. It doesn't have to be the absolute best script as long as it's got great special effects uh and you can yeah. sell toys it's in we're, we're done but um but you know i i think the cream yeah. rises to the top you you mm -hmm. really do have some good like right now definitely is the golden age of television i i think yeah. i would think yeah. right we have incredible content that's being put out there that's being produced that uh, normally you would have only seen uh, yeah. in a movie theater before the quality that goes into it i mean gosh the the prices that are being paid to produce uh, the the two series you guys are talking about, you, yeah, you insane. know, are, are insane. So, um, but when it comes to movie making, uh, you know, you, you get the whole gamut. We're, we're yeah. coming out of COVID. Uh, I would expect as we come out of COVID, uh, also our, our quality is going to start rising again too, because so much of Hollywood was shut down for so long. So, yeah, I, I'm. I, I believe, and Roger hates me because I beat him up so much on his writing. It's all about the script. You can make a great movie from a good script, but you can never make a great movie from a bad script. And it is all about, I used to work as a producer's rep and a writer's rep at a, at a talent agency at one point in my career. And it is all about um, getting past the readers at the screen, at the, at the different studios, mm. uh, making sure that you, in the first 20 pages, you grab that reader by the throat and throw them up against the wall. And, <laughs> and there's a lot of competition for, for getting things made. And then you've got the independents who can do whatever they want. They don't have to respond to anybody. And you've got this new machine, unfortunately, and I think this may address the original question. we got this new machine that's all about consume, consume, consume. We need yeah. more stuff to stream to our subscribers. So yep. whatever's out there, grab it, grab it, grab it. And um, and that's why we're seeing some, some less than great quality characters, I think. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Yeah, no, because yeah, you always break my heart. You're like, no, you, you gotta throw them up a tree, and you gotta, you gotta, you gotta yeah. First thirty pages, you you, throw, you, yeah. you put them up a tree. Next sixty pages, you throw rocks at them. <laughs> Last thirty pages, you either hit him with a rock and he falls, or you, uh, you, you know, you kill him. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Basically, every screenplay in Hollywood. And I remember because uh, we, we were hanging out on Sunday, we're barbecuing, smoking cigars, and stuff like that, as men do. It was a good, it was a good day. But um, I just found out recently you're you're telling me about a, a movie that you had worked on, the the Philly Brown. And I started watching it today. Oh, did I started watching. Yeah. That's a good independent. And also speaking of, here's a connection: Houston alumni. I didn't know Baby Bash and Chingo Bling uh -huh. were in there. I was oh, like, yeah. that's Chingo Bling and Baby that's Bash. Right. That's a Houston connection it's right there casting. for Mike that's right there. But you know what? I, Jenny I was, Rivera's last film. Yeah. And that's actually the reason why yeah. that movie actually even gained traction and we got invited to Sundance and so forth. Jenny Rivera, who was yeah. a big, you know, Latina singer, crossover well, artist. Michael knows who that is. He's lived here for a while. When the <laughs> when the movie was about to 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 come out, um, we heard the new I literally heard the news and I picked up the phone right away and called the executive producer and I said, oh. Jenny just got killed in a in a in a plane wreck mm, in a yeah, plane wreck. A plane, a plane accident, and uh, and and when we realized, like that was the only movie she ever made. Oh my gosh, that's going to get a lot of attention, yeah. it, and it did. Wow! But but it also created the uh, the career of, as we talked about, Gina Rodriguez, who who didn't sell out, and who was a year later a Golden Globe nominee uh, for Jane the Virgin and stuff. So wow. it was really kind of cool. Uh, but that's independent cinema and hopefully yeah. better independent cinema than most yeah i'm watching yellowstone right now i don't know if you guys mm. seen that i really like yellowstone it's godfather on horseback 
That's pretty much what it is. Like Endor, that. I know Dusty, you said it's a little slow. It, it is slow. Oh, I want to like slow. it though. It has Diego Luna and has two Hispanics. We're like bound. We're like, we're forced to like, we have to support. <laughs> so I was like, oh, we got to <laughs> like this. But you know what? It is kind of slow. Uh, and I know Dusty, you're telling me that you're not kind of feeling it. No, I'm not. It's It's been painful to sit and watch it. I would have thought that they would have done a little bit better job. But you said it picks up after episode three, I think, right? Uh, well, it's before Rogue One, so okay. the 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 Rogue, which I love, one of my favorite Star Wars movie. I think Obi One, I liked it. Uh, I think they kind of dropped the I ball. She Hulk, She Hulk, like the Daredevil. I was so excited when Daredevil came out. So it is, I don't think this is spoilers. I mean, everyone knows Daredevil's coming yeah. out. Uh, one a good Catholic Marvel hero, but I hate what they did with him. Is like there's this one scene where it's like a a random one night stand. I was like, wait a minute, he's not even a Catholic guilt. Like, not even a wait, stop. No, I was like, what? That's not Daredevil. Uh, Mike, I know you're a huge fan of Marvel. Yeah. Um, what do you think about the the latest? What is it? What are we in phase twenty seven or well, the phase four? What do you think about the phase so far? Uh, okay, so obviously, if I'm not a fan of peddling the <laughs> message, then this yeah. is it's problematic because. Um, I, okay. I love star Wars. And yeah. when I heard that Disney was buying it, I was filled with jubilation because I thought <laughs> that I thought that George Lucas had, um, he had lost his creative energy and mm -hmm. he was just ruining it. And I love the stories. I love the extended universe yeah. canon, non-canon didn't care, loved them and read a bunch of the books. Um, but I wasn't one of those like crazy toxic fans that it's like, if it's not all the same, I hate everything. I'm not like yeah. that. I'm not, yeah. but there comes a point where you realize that studios, like you were saying with the, just the making, selling toys, like they're just here to leverage your nostalgia for things in order to either a push their message or whatever, um, or B to sell, you know, these cute little furry toys from the uh second movie the last jedi or whatever it was called mm -hmm. and um i just got i so i'm i'm always ready to be hurt by hollywood i'm always ready <laughs> and then i was so excited for mandalorian and mandalorian mm -hmm. was fun but non-consequential right like i felt like i was going on too many side quests Oh, okay. We're gonna yeah. go here, but before we go here, these little guys took <laughs> yeah. apart my ship, so now we gotta go attack a rhinosaur yeah. or whatever, <laughs> or whatever that thing was. Yeah, yeah. And it was too many side quests. It was too little. Like it, it's 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 as if we have so embraced. This is gonna sound stupid, but this is my theory. We've so embraced the scientific, um, the scientific view, the reduction of everything to mere matter. Scientism. We, yeah, we don't know how to tell stories involving symbols and and signs and mm. meaning and mysticism that's part of the reason why the original star it's like they're not explaining where the force comes from it's a mystical thing and then in the prequels it's like well there's things called midichlorians, midichlorians and, uh, the they cloth. poop out the force so <laughs> uh when when you start trying to explain away the mystery um to solve every little thing i find that to be not an artistic move it's a it's a scientific move not that that's wrong, but that's great if you're doing science. But when you're doing art, like the mystery is part of what captivates you. Mm -hmm. And uh, so then Obi-Wan, um, it seems like they're hell bent on destroying all your beloved characters. And Obi-Wan, I was just like, well, he's a boring old fuddy-duddy. That <laughs> a, a four-year-old can outrun him. Oh, that yeah. makes sense over and over again. <laughs> Jedi um, master, it, yeah. Yeah, and it was things like that that just bothered me. Um, I, Loki, I tr uh, WandaVision, I got three episodes in. I found it fun, but didn't keep going. I just lose interest. And yeah. I realized like when Iron Man snapped his fingers and said, you know, I'm inevitable. And he's like, yeah, yeah I'm Iron Man. And he snapped. His yeah, finger. that was done. That was the most perfect ending. Yeah. Because, you know, Iron Man one that more or less rebooted that. I mean, there were other superhero films. Don't get me wrong. But this Marvel cinematic arc of 10 years starts with him at the very end of iron man one saying i am iron man right he admits yep. it he owns it but he does it for all the wrong reasons you know and the avengers one which is like an unheard of box office like phenomenon his whole thing was he refused to you know when you yeah. land on the wire you die and he's like i right, cut the wire and then at the very end he knew he had to die 
right? Like he yeah. gave his life so that others could live. I think, you know, I was going to say, I think it might have been because we don't have Robert Downey Jr. We don't have Chris Evans. That might be some, might be some, not the whole thing, obviously, but that might be a little part of it. Dusty, you had to tell me a cool story of, of one of the movies you're working on. What did you say about Robert Downey Jr.? Oh, that was one of the very first, uh, man, you're giving away all my secrets. Um, <laughs> we could always it. edit if it, do it. Never before spoken publicly. Do oh, it. Do it. a movie do, that do we it. shot here in Texas, actually, when I was one of my first films working on the on the crew for, and uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s movie called Johnny Be Good with yeah. Uma Thurman in her first starring role and uh, Anthony Michael Hall was right off of The Breakfast Club, which I loved. And and we had a guy named Robert Downey Jr. who was on the on <laughs> heard the, of him now. Yeah, heard of him now. But he was always on. Like he, you could never get him to shut up in between takes. He was always making everybody laugh and stuff. And <laughs> I, I I couldn't help but wonder later if he was on something because he could never quiet down. Like he was just <laughs> always on, on, on. But he guys, is Tony Stark. He, he is, is so Tony the real Stark. Tony. But you know what? That's a good segue, uh, Mike. You you touched on symbolism. And yep. I want to segue to something because you touched on nobody, you know, the story, the symbolism, and that's a perfect segue, but then I'm going to ruin it because I want to say one last thing about Top Gun. I don't think there's a big message in there. And I think that's why it's like what, what the top, it made a billion dollars, Tom, this little Tom Cruise movie. And I don't, cause I don't think there's a message. I mean, there's only one, his, his, his best friend, which as part of, not only am I a member of, I'm also a, a ambassador for the beardedly impaired community. <laughs> so the only thing I could kind of do is a mustache, but not even a great one, like a decent mm, mustache. Mm. So miles, there miles you go. Teller? Miles yeah. Teller, miles mm -hmm. Teller did a great job with that stash going back to symbolism. Yeah. Now let's, let's segue because you talked about that and you've recently, I guess in the last year or so, been digging into the liturgy and oh, yeah. i saw your face got scared you're like uh oh don't worry this isn't literally like me personally me and dusty we're not i'm not uh they call them like rat trads and i'm not the novice order i'm like let's have a a gopro on the priest and when he's doing the we can <laughs> no that, i think it's silly there's no no I, one quick story i'm not gonna say the parish but i'll just say at it. a parish a mm -hmm. mascot dressed like in a shark came out before the final blessing and all that and i was like what uh a literally yeah baby, a mascot. Baby, shark, doo, doo, <laughs> yeah doo, like they didn't sing it i was like oh yeah. what is going on anyway yeah. but so talk about the sim why does it matter why does the mass matter why does reverence matter why does the symbols the smells the bells tongue um hand kneeling yeah. why does all that matter yeah so the the most important way to describe it right th this is how i this is how for for modern folk i like to tell the tale um Ancient people, very few could read, fewer could write, and people who owned paper or vellum or whatever was was it was so rare. Everything was astronomical. Yeah. You're, you're talking writing on clay tablets. You're talking all this stuff. So think of like the ancient languages of like Egyptian hieroglyphics, mm. right? Symbols, you know, Chinese script, right? All this stuff. Symbols and language are the same thing. Right. So the way that we think, we think in language, we think in words, we think in terms of symbols. Like, and we don't think about that. Like these symbols represent sounds that when put together become words and concepts and ideas that get transmitted. And symbols, in order to be communicated, have to have to work with patterns. We have to see repeated patterns in order for us to understand what those symbols mean and how they're communicated and disruptions of patterns and you know subverting outcomes and expectations all of that is a part of communication and when you start to see um when a society becomes nothing more than ones and zeros and i fear that there are too many people who think that is what we should become the becoming the, this kind of transhumanism posthumanism is this this we've become the machine and uh, and and my fear is the scientific mathematical mentality, while incredibly important, and I love it. I love my air conditioning. I love my penicillin. Oh, right. Yeah. I love all this stuff. Um, but what it does is it robs us of our ability to perceive and interpret and live amongst symbols. Yeah. And so you take that and just take a you know first century people when they wrote there was an economy of words, and when mm -hmm. they wrote their economy of words, they had to layer meaning. 
right? They had to communicate a lot with very little. Yes. With very little. And it wasn't just they were concise writers, right? That's not what we're talking about. That's what we do because writing is plentiful. Words are cheap, right? I can write with my computer thousands of words and it not take up any more space in the universe, right? So we start to think about these things and you realize like when, like, okay, here, here's a, a stupid example. When Matthew talks about um, divorce and remarriage in, in his gospel, Matthew 19, we lose sight of the fact that he sets up the setting in the region of Judea beyond the Jordan. The Pharisees approached Jesus in order to trap him saying, may a man be permitted to divorce his wife for any cause right now. What does that matter? Well, it's just setting up the story. It's given us plot. It's given us the where no in the region of Judea beyond the Jordan is where a certain funny guy who wore a camel hair shirt and ate locusts and wild honey lived. Mm. His name was John the Baptist, yeah. and he baptized people in that Jordan River, and he had his head chopped off because he told the king, you cannot divorce your brother's, you can't force your lesser king brother's wife to divorce your brother and then marry you. So they weren't saying, what does the Mosaic law say? They said, can a man divorce his wife for any cause? Because that's the only description that would allow for the blessing of Herod's union. And now, I mean, what did Herod himself say? This is John the Baptist come back to life. Right, that, that's what like, so like you take meaning and you nest it and you nest it and you nest it. And symbols can communicate a ton of meaning in one word or one object or one color. And it gives a whole universe of meaning. Okay, here's, here's the example. Every time I teach scripture, I teach um, this word from um, Martin Luther King Jr. He says, I have been to the mountaintop and I have seen the promised land, right? It's a oh, phrase that, yeah. you know, you know, you, Black History Month, you mm -hmm. read it. You know, in Oklahoma, we used to read the speeches of Martin Luther King. That was always like a, a recurring thing, you know, elementary, middle school, whatever. And so that stuck out to me, right? I've been to the mountaintop. I've seen the promised land. You say that to kids at my church who don't know anything about scripture. Yeah. They have no, oh, he stood on a tall place and he no. saw really far. <laughs> no. And it's like, no, 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 no. He's Moses. Yeah. At the end of his life, he just let his people out of bondage mm -hmm. who were in bondage for, oh, I don't know, 400 years. Yep. And now he doesn't get to enter the promised land, but he can see it. God gives him a glimpse. Yep. And so Martin Luther King knows he's not going to see the day when his children will no longer be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Mm. And he longs for that day, but he knows he won't see it. And a handful of weeks or months later, he was gunned down. Right. Yeah. And you think about this. I've been to the mountaintop. I've seen the promised land. He knew. The promise, you know, like in one sentence, you have so much meaning. Yeah. That mm -hmm. if you're, if you're completely ignorant of the Bible and you hear that, you don't even understand what the hell he's talking about. Yeah. But if you understand the symbolic references, right. And then you go and read the story of Exodus and then you plunge yourself into the meaning of, why the mountaintop? Why do the patriarchs build altars on mountaintops? And mm -hmm. it goes deeper and deeper. It's a nesting, this nested, what you call polyvalent meaning. And uh, just the last thing I'll say is, because um, I get a little too hyped up on this stuff, but <laughs> the more, the, the less inclined we are to symbols, um, the less we in, inclined we are to knowledge, to truth from other avenues other than, than scientific rationale. And so what ends up happening is it, it dwarfs our, our art. It can, right? And this is why we need artists. We need people who are visual, who are audio storytellers. We need people who can communicate truths through story, through made up stuff. Jesus made up stuff all the time. One of the most powerful stories in human history is the story of the Good Samaritan, completely made up by Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. Completely made up, like all oh, the, the prodigal son completely made up whenever i tell people that i'm about to give a talk on that in a couple of weeks people are like wait what, how, how dare you say so i'm like no it's a parable it's a story <laughs> any so um I, I say this because modern man what we did was um symbols have two kind of sides to them one is cognitive they teach you truth but the other and this is what all myths are meant to be myths aren't meant to explain the world around you with your non-scientific jargon they're meant to explain what you are to do with this world around you Right. And that's mm. the part that most people lose sight of. Symbols communicate intelligible action. What do I do in this world where the gods and goddesses are arrayed against me? Whatever. And so, um, what modern man does and postmodern man does is we kind of split the difference. Modern man keeps the cognitive, but reduces it to just, you know, very little fact, you know, a couple facts, a flag, yeah. 
right? A flag represents this. Um, and postmodern man gets rid of the cognitive side and seeks for not necessarily the action, but action as emotional impact, right? And so it's the, um, w- which is one of the reasons why I think there's a co-opting of existing um, uh, IP for the to peddle the message in an activist sense, because I think they're looking for that emotional impact. They can't right. give it. And so they ride the coattails of something that already gave it. Yeah. Right. These meaningful stories. Right. Um, and, you know, you you just hear this stuff over and over and you see this stuff and you're like, it's not that you lack in- intelligence. Right. These people are all very smart. It's that they lack uh, a, a playful vision. Right. An imagination that um that plays with the story like J.R. tolkien when you read it you realize like oh yeah he lived in that world as much as any hobbit oh yeah and like c.s lewis whose books were far shorter than the lord of the rings book (laughs) um the space trilogy or narnia communicated volumes if you understand the the meanings behind them so I talk a lot. This is what I do. I no, no, it's great. No, it was good. Because Dusty, you had I remember you had mentioned you were saying at some churches you feel different, right? Like you were telling me like you feel different. So there's a there's a something here at this certain church or that church, right? Yeah, yeah, certainly. Um I, I and we try to talk about that with I think Father Brandon. Are there places where that are more holy, that are more uh special, that are that maybe even that the that the the people who go to that church have more faith right and and we know of one we won't mention it but um you you see a a level of faith that is higher for whatever reason maybe it's a socioeconomic thing or or whatever but um yeah for sure for sure culture yeah i i believe that it exists and i think everybody we've asked or talked about that with says the same thing even the world and you and you see places that are holy pilgrimage places that people go to for a reason right so one of the things in the mass like i almost like reluctantly like i guess it's shameful to say but it's almost like because i didn't want to get into like the you know this liturgy that liturgy and i was like i'm gonna just whatever but the the more i start to learn little stuff it's it's like difficult like uh, I think pr- proceeding to the altar versus proceeding to like the exits to make it expedient. Like, oh, it's faster. Yeah. 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 It's like non consecrated, non consecrated hands, plates, yeah. no plates. It's kind of like tongue, no tongue. It's like, oh, man. I was like, no, I can't unsee it. I- you can't unsee yeah, it. You cannot. Yeah. It's like a horror movie. You can't unsee it. <laughs> That's our next movie. Uh, but Michael, I think you, I think I have to blame you yeah. for some fault because I remember you mentioned, I forgot what you were saying, but you were talking something about that. It's like that you yeah. saw the host and the crumbs being dropped on the floor and like willy nilly. Now I can't unsee that when I go up for communion, like I'm looking down at the floor, like, oh mm. no, and I can't unsee that. And yeah. so I blame you. It's all yeah. your fault. But what do you yeah. think about like I know you go to the the ordinariate, um, the Anglican rite, I guess as they call it. Uh, what do you see in the differences that is, is there a different culture, more kids? You know, like again, <laughs> I, I, we don't know anybody's heart, and I'm not yeah. trying to like, but I do know if, if we go to certain masses or certain because I, I do kind of parish hop a little bit and yeah. when i go to certain ones i'm like hmm statistically less kids that's weird i go to this church hmm there's like a lot of kids i wonder like the church teachings who's really i've known yeah. people that are like well i'm pro-choice oh i'm pro marriages whatever and i'm like oh they're in like high positions in the church and i'm like oh my goodness am i yeah. gonna have to like join the parish council or something i don't know what do you think about yeah. that no i mean the church uh, I, I was telling someone today uh, who was thinking about becoming Catholic, like, well, you know, what, what's the deal with all the, you know, things with the papacy and there's like all these like liturgy wars. And I said, listen, we're at war with ourselves. We are the most self-hating uh, church in the Catholic church. If you speak of us as the Roman right or the Latin right West, like we hate ourselves. We hate our history. We hate our tradition and we're trying to burn it out of existence. And I don't, in the past, I would have said, whatever it takes to reach modern man, right? Because that was the rationale of Vatican II. Oh, yeah. Vatican II, and and uh, it's a rationale that I still buy, right? Like, I'm a Vatican II guy. I love Vatican II. But these are the things that I saw. Um, number one, the symbols thing. That helped to kickstart a lot of what we call the liturgical movement, mm-hmm. um, which were people writing um, Dom Prosper and his you know um, books of writing on the liturgical calendar, which was fascinating. There's a lot of stuff that's there. 
Uh, and I'd recommend anyone to get Chris Karsten's Principles of Sacred Liturgy. It's an excellent book to give you a, an in-depth understanding of liturgy. But um, so, you, you, you know, we have traditionalists, we have progressives, we have all that, you know, nonsense when it comes to the liturgy. Here's the deal. Um, the church for 2,000 years has been celebrating liturgy in a particular way. Now, it's not the traditional Latin mass as we know it in the 1962 sure. Missal. It has yeah. evolved. It, have, yeah. it has grown. You know, St. Peter did not celebrate the Latin mass. You know, <laughs> that would be that funny stuff. if you were like, yeah. Right. But people, yeah, you imagine all the people in Rome are like, it like, better what? be in what? Greek. I'm not doing this modernist <laughs> Latin crap. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> but what, what happens, right? So um, the, the things that have really destroyed, like I was a hardcore Pope Francis defender because of Evangelii Gaudium and all that stuff. And Bishop Barron has a great line where he says, if you understand this art, you have to read Evangelii Gaudium. And I believe mm -hmm. that. I've read the Aparecida document. Um, but this is what I realized, right? Um, there's all these Catholic reform movements for the parish. Divine Renovation, which is probably the best one. Amazing Parish. Um, uh, rebuild out of, uh, out of um, Baltimore area, Timonium, um, which is the worst one. Um, and there's all these other sub movements and I've been a part of them all because I have a heart to evangelize. Yeah. I want outsiders to love our Lord and savior, Jesus Christ, receive Holy communion to understand that they are known and loved that, yeah. that the wounds are healed by the Messiah who gave his life for them. There is so much beauty in the Catholic church and we have thrown away 90% of it for this bizarre notion that it, this is what it boils down to. If we become more worldly, worldly people will want to be us. And mm -hmm. the answer is, I've seen that not work for youth and ministry for the last 20 years. What makes you think it's going to work for the whole parish? Mm -hmm. What makes you think it's going to work for the mass? But these people, when you watch them, right? And they hate traditionalists. They hate them, right? Yeah. The reason why traditionalists are mad is because they see what the church teaches about liturgy and how people in the church are not following it. Pope Francis, um, Traditionis Custodes, not only is one of the worst, it's the most self-contradictory document. There are so many errors in that document. You're like, did you not have a liturgist proofread it? Mm -hmm. No, you had an echo chamber proofread it, right? And so like you have the, because you feel like they're just coming at you with these silly arguments and you're like, but that's not even true. And your own document also like yeah. you know the roman right is uh, you the know the latin right of play or latin has right of place or something like that right like one of the lines and and some of the where, where there's not following it yeah no i get it yeah. and so they're mad that they're not getting what the church says they should get mm -hmm. but then you have the progressives who number one they won they completely won since since the 1960s they have completely or 70s they've completely taken over the church with their ally allies in the media that were only too easy to peddle the message, but I get why many of them are mad or like the progressives are angry at the traditionalists because it's like, because the promise is this is what it takes to win modern man. And Romano Guardini writes for literally decades about the inability of modern man to apprehend symbols and the Latin mass is filled with them. And yeah. so it becomes so difficult for us to apprehend it. Then the question becomes, so the, the, the liturgical movement for the first half was how do we help under, uh, modern man understand the liturgy? Then it shifts in like the 1940s and it's basically, well, how can we alter the liturgy for modern man? Mm. And that's where I think it takes a dangerous, though not necessarily wrong turn because the idea was, well, modern man is atheistic, scientific, secular, nominalistic, all this stuff. How do we deal with it? Well, let's drain it of as much mystery as possible, mm. right? Let's demystify the force, right? That's what we did. <laughs> we Chlorians, midichlorians. Yeah, George but, Lucas was in that. No, he, he was there. He wrote them. No. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. my goodness. Turns so out, crazy. plot twist of all time, George Lucas is <laughs> yeah. Bugnini, Darth the author Sidious. of the Novus Ordo. <laughs> yeah, oh, so I, I actually go to a Novus Ordo parish. I yeah, attend I, I for mass it. often um, in ordinary parish. I actually live right smack dab in the middle of them. My home parish where I work is St. Anthony and Padua. It's a Novus Ordo parish. Where my parochial vicar is a really good friend of mine, and he is – a uh i will say he is a traditionally minded novus ordo priest mm. and my pastor is a um while not rigorously educated in the liturgy his stance is we do what the church asks because the church is the body of christ why would we not do what the church asks mm -hmm. and so but the problem becomes when the usccb contradicts the vatican when the vatican contradicts the the tradition right so it's not to say that tradition development can't occur but what happens when you go against it or throw it out and it's meaningful 
So this is the thing about discarding of symbols is when we discard symbols to make meaning plain, we actually are discarding things that uphold the main thing. So for yeah. instance, like you were talking about getting communion as you leave the church, a principle of sacred liturgy today is efficiency. How can we, come on, speed it up, speed yeah. up, speed up. So I'm on a text chain which a bun, which a bun, with a bunch of staff members at my parish. And then I go to mass at the at church of presentation. When Father Fletcher gives a homily, his homilies are usually never shorter than 30 to 40 minutes. So a normal Sunday mass starts at 9.30 and almost ends at 11.30. Wow. No one complains. My kids, wow. my kids, I have two kids who are on medicine for ADHD. I have ADHD. All this mm -hmm. stuff, none of them are antsy. You know, sometimes they do little kid things. When we go to the normal, you know, my normal parish, the number one thing I see in the text chain is, do you hear how long the homily is? Why is it 11 minutes long? They have been told to keep it under 10. Yeah. And it's like, but what if it's good? Then shut up. Like, we need this to be long. Hey, we did the math, and mass went to one hour and 21 minutes. We timed it. And I'm like, what does that have? I thought we were on God's time. What does that? So there's this culture of efficiency. And my buddy just said, Father David, he just said, imagine the sanctuary is heaven. When you get out of your pew to go receive our Lord in the Eucharist, you're processing towards heaven and pilgrimage. Yeah. And then we put the Eucharist in the back for the sake of uh, for the sake of um, efficiency. What does that say about your pilgrimage? Well, that symbolism is gone. And when you just say that to someone, they're like, "Oh my gosh, shut up!" Like you're making a mountain out of a molehill. And it's like, okay, then watch the people who receive communion at the back of the church. Do they stay? Are these the people that come forward? Mm. Because we're not encouraging it. The layers are being ripped away. And so what happens? Well, if they stay to the end of mass, they're having loud conversations in a sanctuary that's no longer quiet. Yep. And then, but most of them, they get their Jesus to go. They receive communion and they do an end, they do this like box out <laughs> maneuver, step around the Eucharistic yeah. ministers and they go out. And you have to have 400 Eucharistic ministers. Now we have six because it's up front. It's only, it's only the instituted acolytes or deacons or or priests like wow. it, it's a game changer when the people whose ministry is to represent christ are representing christ right yeah and so this is the heavenly Man. liturgy this is all this stuff and this is the, i mean oh this is so incredible like you're going deep we could go another two hours but we won't well <laughs> yeah. oh we have to definitely have you back on with especially with, with luke but Luke, there's other stuff too. I was like, oh, when I think when we talked, I was like, well, first you, because again, we just go deep in all this different movies, TV, the liturgy, all this stuff. Luke like that. is the so world's much on fire. better with it. Yeah, <laughs> Luke is so much better. Luke is a connoisseur, and he's super thoughtful about the media. Oh. I mean, he consumes all media. Number one, <laughs> he's very he's very thoughtful about it, and yeah. in a way that like the the way that I receive media often is I watch a show. And if um, I kind of test my emotions at the end of it, and it's like, did I like it? Did I not like yeah. it? Man, and that's it. Then it's I, like, ah. Yeah. <laughs> and I rarely, I don't mind slow moving things, but it's the, it's the, it's the stuff that I feel like has no point. I'm like, sorry. Unlike John Wick, the John Wick things will forever be my favorite things of all time. I oh, mean, yeah. my wife watch John Wick whenever we're having a bad day. We're like, cue it up. Let's see someone get their head shot off. <laughs> <laughs> Good day. Oh, me too. I'm a big fan. But uh, once again, thank you so much, yeah. Mike gomer gormley for being on the show what, a, what an honor thanks for having uh the, taking the time to be with us um, we'll see you on that man we'll <laughs> yeah did yeah you, we can't you, wait so that. you like the episodes you, you oh, like my, loved my it. sessions we Absolutely. loved it it was so great definitely this is so fun again i cannot thank you so much because <laughs> yeah yeah this um, is awesome one, one of some of my favorite podcasters include uh we have a, a love for trent horn and you are also one of them too so uh <laughs> yeah, it's, a, I really it's an honor that. for us to have you on yes thank you. i'm so excited well, i can't wait plugs uh, catching foxes every knee shall bow what do you want to uh shout out yeah like? ah, yeah you know every knee shall bow we're walking through the legend himself jp2 and we're mm -hmm. going through the master evangelist so we're trying to create a uh, the podcast that, yeah. as a master class of jp2 so oh that's cool take, yeah we take three documents um uh, Mission of the Redeemer, Redeemer of Man, and Veritatis Splendor. And we're going through it to kind of give us a picture of not just how to proclaim, you know, Redeemer of Man, Mission of the Redeemer, but also how to live, Veritatis mm. Splendor, and what it means to disciple other people. So we're just trying to pull out. We hope that people are reading the document as they're listening to us. We know that not everyone does. But um, that's my favorite thing that is happening right now. So we already recorded them. We're doing a bunch of interviews right now that will be released, especially in February. 
couple bonus episodes here and there, nice. but um, Sherry Waddell is next. And oh yeah, um, yeah, we got we got a lot of really good um, people on the docket that we're interviewing, and I'm just I couldn't be more excited about being a part of this conversation. So you know? great, Nick, cool. check out check out all the stuff, uh, layevangelist.com. Right? Yeah, website seen by dozens. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> yeah, check them out. We'll have we'll have the links to, to various different things, all that you've you've done, the speaker and and podcast and all this. So, oh my goodness, once again, this has been Faith Reason Geekdom. Enjoyed this, love this. Godspeed, God love you, and God bless. Good night. Good night, boys. Nice.